Welcome to our podcast. The following episode originally aired as a video. You can find all our video episodes at www.thebreakthroughshow.com. Life gives us moments when we have the opportunity to make a choice. And what we choose has the potential to change our lives forever. Join us now for another inspired episode of The Breakthrough. And now, please welcome the creator and host of the show, Jessica Dugas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Breakthrough Show. It's the personal development talk show empowering you to change the way you look at and live your life. I'm your host, Jessica Dugas, and our show is oozing with masculine energy today, you guys. I'm really excited about it. Later on in the show, we're talking to an entrepreneur who has started more than 80 businesses. Okay, my mind has been really like trying to process this still because I have enough issues with my own (laughs) one business to think about having 80. Several of those businesses going beyond seven figures, which is really amazing. Now, if you're here and you're thinking to yourself, listen, I'm a heart-centered entrepreneur. This does not sound like it's for me. I invite you to just just bear, hang with us, challenge your way of thinking and stick around because I promise you that there is a message here for you today that you need to hear if you are determined to change the world like a lot of us are for the better, okay? Um, and we're talking about dolphins, so who doesn't like dolphins? So Tom Matson's going to be joining me in a little bit here. But up first, joining me for a hot topic today, we've got a guy who left his secure job at a Fortune 500 company, risking it all to follow his passion to create the ultimate empire in mini golf. <laughs> Mini golf, you guys. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Mini Golf himself, Carl Barth. Carl, welcome. Hi, Jessica. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to be on your show today. <laughs> it's really, it's so funny to see her because I was talking to someone before we came on to record today and she was like, oh, who's your interview with today? And I'm like, Mr. Mini Golf. She's like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that does not sound like somebody that you'd have on your show, but it really stays with this theme of this show that we have where it doesn't matter the walk of life that you come from or the line of work that you come from. We all have lessons and stories that we go through that can help improve somebody else's life just by hearing it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I really wanted to have you on for Hot Topics today because the, the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of people hate their jobs. They hate their jobs. Mm -hmm. They're miserable in their nine to five. And then there are crazy people like us who have said, (laughs) screw that and followed our dreams no matter how crazy they are. And that really got me to thinking, who said you could do this? Who said, who said it was okay for you to, to start a business around mini golf, Carl? Sure. Well, nobody said it was okay for me to do it. I said it was okay. And you know, I made the plans to make that happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I knew very early on is one of the early, one of my earliest memories is you know playing miniature golf and as a kid growing up i had this dream of you know someday this is going to be my career i'm not sure how it's going to happen but i want it to happen and mm. um when i was in elementary school i even wrote uh what we did something called young authors which we would write our own book with about 
being as creative as possible. And I, my first one that I ever made was about me designing my very first miniature golf course. So that was, that was a, definitely a big sparking point, uh, starting point for me on getting to this point. Wait, how old were you? When you... <laughs> well, the earliest memory that I can even recall, I was either two or three years old mm. and I had gotten this uh, toy called Gator Golf, which was a, uh, a little uh, yes. plastic alligator and mm -hmm. you hit golf balls into it and it would like shoot them back at you. And we have a picture of me um, not even knowing, there's no way I would understand what I was doing, but I was so serious to, in, in lining up my shot. It was just like some like otherworldly type of thing experience, I guess, because I, who knew that that was going to be where I was going to end up, you know, <laughs> 20 plus years later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So we have these thoughts when we're younger of something that we want to do. In fact, I've talked several times on this season already because we've had many um, singers on the show this year. And I've talked about the fact that I, you know, growing up, would, I was the little eight-year-old girl practicing my Grammy speech in front of the mirror. And like, I just knew that I needed to do something with music one day. And, um, and, and somewhere along the way, I got this idea that I shouldn't do that, that it wasn't, that it, that I, it wasn't going to be, that I wasn't going to be able to do that, that that was only for certain people and they're special people and that that wasn't, that it wasn't me. And so like, as you were having these dreams growing up, like, did anybody tell you like, that's completely ridiculous or were you always uplifted? Sure. I mean, yeah. Um, basically my environment around me was saying, like school teachers, things like that. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta get that real job. You have to do, you know, something that's going to make you money and, um, have a secure career. Um, but I did have a teacher, uh, that I had for both fifth and sixth grade. His name is Mr. Crambeer. Um, he was the, the person that gave me the spark that, whatever I wanted to accomplish, I could, if I, if I put in the hard work and was dedicated to doing that. Um, so not necessarily at that point thinking, oh, miniature golf was the route, but, <laughs> um, you know, he gave me that confidence that, you know, I could do it if I just believed in myself and put in the hard work for it. Cause regardless of whatever you do, there's, there's hard work to getting to a level where, you know, you can change something from, a passion or a hobby to a business or, or a career. Right. Do you, how did you know though, that it was more than that you wanted it to be more than just like a passion or a hobby? Cause a lot of people enjoy mini golf and I don't know many people who have sat down and been like, yeah, this will be a lucrative business too. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, really it was, uh, you going, going and, and traveling around and playing all these different courses and, and seeing, you know, this is everywhere. So there's no real reason why it can't, you know, be something that people see everywhere. And with my businesses, it's not necessarily a traditional course. I don't, I'm not there yet. That's mm -hmm. ultimately one of the end goals is to, to design my own course, add in the innovations that I've seen in the industry throughout the years um, that, and several that I've thought up myself that I haven't seen anybody do. And it's just like, I can't believe nobody's done this yet. So, you know, having those uh, little uh, secrets in my back pocket, but uh, it's trying to become more making mini golf more mainstream. Like, like you said, a lot of people enjoy it. I mean, 
it's, it is something that everybody can do mm-hmm. and have some fun with. I mean, it's great for all ages, you, you know, little kids that can hardly walk can still hold a club and hit the ball. And same with the grandparents that can hardly walk, and, but can still hit the ball. They can all play <laughs> together as a family. And that's, that's something that's, it's one of the few activities that I think people can actually do that. Mm. And it, and it's relatively cheap still. So people can afford to go out and do that even um, during like this, you know, this time with COVID and everything, um, you know, a lot of families are hurting financially, but they still want to, you know, have fun with each other and do activities. And now things that are opening up, um, you know, miniature golf courses are, are bumping, especially with the nice weather out. So it's like um, definitely, definitely, um, you know, opportunity there. Um, but with what I did is I basically created um, initially I was looking for some pictures of one of my favorite courses that uh, um, I played growing up and it had closed in the early two thousands. Um, I believe the owner had passed away and I was trying to find pictures just online because I was like, this is my favorite course. I've never seen anything like it elsewhere and I couldn't find anything. So um, I was really disappointed in that. And I was like, well, why can't I create an archive of mini golf? So traveling Mm -hmm. around the country, playing different courses, making connections with course owners and other players and, you know, making this archive of pictures. And uh, it started off, um, in October of 2017, I was still working at the Fortune 500 company job, but I, it was more of a hobby, but it was a way to allow me to start prefer, per, pursuing mini golf more in a professional uh, manner. And also it helped, you know, pay for me to travel and play at these different courses. So mm-hmm. it was kind of hand in hand there. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's starting to get some traction, like just in the first three months, all this, although this number is small in comparison to mm-hmm. a lot of things, but I had 10,000 views on my website uh, of my content, which was, I thought was really cool just because it was like mini golf. I was like, man, I can't believe there's, right. you know, all these people <laughs> interested in checking it out. And then, you know, um, I kept working at it and changing the format. I changed it to be one hole a day so people could see a new mini golf hole every single day. And then in 2018, that jumped up to 50,000. So I was seeing some growth. And I was like, man, this is still pretty cool. People are checking out the content. And then in 2019, that was when I decided I was leaving um, the, the, the Fortune 500 company job mm-hmm. and to pursue mini golf full time. And then so in 2019, it bumped up from 50,000 to over 3 million. So wow. it, it, was, it was just like people are really interested in the content. They want to <laughs> check it out. Um, I even, I'm even a sponsored uh, player as well now. So I have a couple of companies that sponsor me. Um, I'm definitely a professional miniature golfer, so it's kind of cool to say that, but it's, it's really one of the only sports with uh, being a, a bit of a huskier person that I could be a professional athlete. So it's, it's a great, uh, a great, I, it's, I, would, I don't think I'd ever would have dreamed of being able to call myself a professional athlete. And I, I'm pretty sure a lot of other professional athletes probably are pretty mad about that. But, but I'll, I'll take it. I, I think it's great. Um, it just, it just goes to show that, um, you know, it's not, it's not entirely serious. You have some fun with it. Um, but I mean, there's, there's just so many cool things to do with it. So that was um, my first, um, I guess, uh, business with miniature golf, mini golf reviews. And then, um, also to kind of help sustain, you know, transitioning out of the, the full, um, career type of path. I created a business called jackpot, which was a traveling mini golf hole in one contest that also is a fundraiser for uh, charities and nonprofit organizations. And that was great because 
um, it was allowing me to bring miniature golf to people that might not normally would go out to seek that on their own, but it was allowing me to get in front of people that, you know, hadn't experienced it before. Right. So I was bringing mini golf to the masses opposed to trying to get the masses to come to mini golf. So it's not enough for you. It's not enough for you that you could create a business around mm -hmm. something that you just are passionate about, like mini golf. Now you got to go and give back to charity too. Like, right. And, and that's, what's great. I mean, the business is profitable and I'm still able to give back. So yeah. like anybody that says, Oh, you, you, Oh, our business is too tight or too strict to, to help other people. It's like that that's kind of ridiculous because I'm doing miniature golf and I'm able to do it. So yeah. there's really no reason to, to help other people. If, if you, if you see there's people in need, you can definitely help them. I mean, there's no excuse. And yeah. uh, I mean, it's just, if I can do it, anybody can do that. Well, I think it's what you're talking about, about how, you know, you basically, the first time you, you checked, you had like, you know, 10,000 and next, and you know, over that time, it, it like when you put everything you had into it, it went to 3 million. And I think that something, there's something to point out here because there's a lot of us who are in either, particularly that watch this show that are in you know, the spiritual development line of work or the personal development line of work. And we'll put out all of this content that we feel like, like it comes from our heart. It's mm -hmm. so important. It's important for us to grow. But I think like your growth that you're sharing with us today reminds me that because, so my frustrating thing is I might put out this whole long, um, like amazing heartfelt gonna change your life kind of content and then nobody will come on comment on that but then if i post what i have for dinner mm -hmm. then then suddenly everybody wants to comment on that but what this is reminding me and your your numbers are, are speaking to that is that people really want to have a connection to something that's fun mm -hmm. like it can Absolutely. be heartfelt but they want fun too and they want because you can get like that hardcore life lesson stuff every day just living <laughs> you know and so this reminds me it really does remind me to go back and and have fun with what i'm doing and that other people will have fun with me and it'll be contagious yeah absolutely and and another another thing too that you mentioned that i'd like to point out too so you said you write this long heartfelt piece yeah and what i what i've learned along the way at this point is you know, everyone only has 24 hours in the day, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have to dedicate that, you know, to eating, sleeping, going to work. So they might only have just that little bit of time, maybe, maybe not even up to an hour a day right. where, where they're out to, you know, explore other things. So you have to create content in the sense that focus on what if I only grab this person for a minute? How can it add value to me and add value to them? Right. So just that, so that's actually when I changed formats. So I started off writing these nice, really long pieces going completely in depth with a full course. You know, I mean, the articles were like 2,500 to 3,000 words, but I was realizing, you know what, maybe people are just looking at the pictures and not even reading what I'm putting. So putting all that work and it's taking a week to get each, you know, post out. Why not just make it short and sweet, make it bite-sized so people can process it. And then, you know, it kind of went from there. And that was, that was kind of really, I guess, my, one of my magic sauce, magic recipe, magic sauce, whatever. Um, because then I was just grabbing people for that little bit of time. And then it was just like, 
people, it was just continuous. So that consistency of posting every single day and people, you know, just waiting for my content was like, that was pretty cool. And people were asking about it and like, well, tell me about this. And, you know, tell me about all these places that you traveled to. And, you know, when are you going to play a course by me or, or can I recommend a course for you to come out and play? And, and I want you to, you know, document that because it's my favorite course, like it just kind of kept expanding upon all of that. So now is like where I'm, I think I'm really going to have a lot more opportunity with all those things because there's just so much more, um, reach for people and more, more and more people, uh, want to get connected and, and they just want, they just want to hear my story, but then they want to share their mini golf story too, because like you said, associating with that fun, um, is something that people can connect with. It's, it's, it's just relatively easy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to have to break in just a minute, but I have one question for you before we sure. take a break. So everybody says that it rains on, it never rains on the golf course. Does it never rain on the mini golf course? That's my question. It would just be little mini drops of rain. If, <laughs> if it does. Yeah. My grandfather always used to say that all the time. It never rains on the golf course, Jessica, he would say, because he caddied for many years and um, we would talk about golf. I think he wanted me to be uh, you know, really get into golf. I took lessons mm -hmm. for a little while, but you know, it never was, it wasn't, it wasn't a passion for me. It's fun, but it's no, <laughs> wasn't a passion for sure. But, um, but yeah, I just, I was always curious. Does it not rain on the, on the mini golf course? Interesting yeah. to think about. <laughs> well, will you come back at the end of the show and do some actual golfing or some, some putting with us? Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, we are going to be back um, in just a minute, you guys. Uh, but first, hang with, out with us for just a minute as we talk dolphins and sharks with Mr. Tom Matson. We'll be right back. Hey, Jessica Dugas here, creator, producer, and host of The Breakthrough Show. We have big goals here at the show in the desire to change the world one breakthrough show episode at a time. And honestly, we couldn't do it without you. We want to take this moment to give a huge thank you to our Patreon supporters for helping us to not only expand the show, but spread its message far and wide. If you're not a supporter yet, we would love to have you. You can choose any tier with tons of benefits at patreon.com slash the breakthrough show. We can't wait to have you part of our breakthrough show family. And now back to the show. Welcome back to The Breakthrough Show. My special guest today has started over 80 businesses on his own. Listen, I sit back and I think to myself, I'm overwhelmed with at times thinking of my one business. <laughs> and so I think of 80 businesses, seven of them he developed into seven-figure businesses. Here to share his inspiring breakthroughs from his wins and losses along the way, please welcome Tom Matson to the show. Tom, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're tuning in from. So excited uh, to be here. And uh, what's crazy is since we did our green room prep interview, I've opened five more. <laughs> I was just doing the math. I was like, oh yeah, right. We're up to 87 now. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it blows my mind because like I said, it's overwhelming to think of the one, but, but I'm a one person show as well. Like I don't, you know, I don't have a, a huge team and all of that. that are, do, please tell me that you've worked with other people that this wasn't completely like only you, right? Like, please oh, make fact, me feel I, 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 Someone asked me one time, and I think out of, it's now 87, I think two have been me solo. Mm. Like literally two. 
Um, so yeah, all, always, 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 always with partners and good, bad, and ugly. And we'll get into some of those stories today, if you want a little bit. Um, but it, but definitely I, to me, you know, done right. Partners are one plus one is 11. Hmm. And so you're far better off with, with good partners than, than not, I, you know, I, I will throw the caveat in bad partners are worse. <laughs> one plus one is minus 14. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. lots of lessons learned. Lots of lessons learned. Glad I'm to sure, be here though. I'm sure of that. And I'm, and I'm excited that you are here. Um, I would love, I have so many things that I want to talk about today. So this is going to be one of those episodes where I wish I had like a five hour show and we can just cover all the things, but we're going to try to rein it in for you guys here today. So I would love for you to start by sharing um, something that's bringing you joy in your life right now. Oh, what a great, uh, what a great question. I love the tie in. Um, it's actually something, well, if I was to pick one, it's something I learned from interviewing someone at one of our summits last year. We do a big summit uh, called the Do Good and Make Money the Super Summit, where we teach people that you can do both at the same time. And one of the keynote speakers we had um, had a gratitude alarm that he set on his phone to go off at 7.30 in the morning and 7.30 at night. And he was, it came up in the interview and we were talking about it. And he said, yeah, I started doing this. Someone suggested it, my coach did or someone, and I love it. And I thought I could do that. Mm -hmm. And little did I know, I didn't know you could set a recurring alarm in your iPhone. <laughs> I had an iPhone for years. I didn't know you could set recurring. I always had to turn it on and turn it off every day. And it's like, oh no, it's just a button, Tom. It's just a button. I'm like, what? So I set recurring alarms at 7.30 in the morning, 7.30 at night. And whatever I'm doing, except when I'm on being interviewed for a podcast or a TV show, obviously. But other than that, even in my training, coaching calls, my support calls, I stop and I share the three people I'm grateful for at that moment. And I started doing this in, I guess it would be November. And within a month, it became one of the favorite things that I did. Mm. And I would, I would, I would just literally just, just pause and think about who I'm grateful for and share it. And I absolutely love it. It brings joy to me every time I do it. It's a simple exercise. And sometimes I share more than three, but usually I, I stick to the three and I go right back to whatever I'm doing. And I uh, love that. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, I've never been a journaler mm -hmm. or someone that takes time to reflect on the things that I'm grateful for. And I know I ought to be because most of the people I model do it as a regular right. part of what they do, but it's just, it just didn't, it's never worked for me, never yeah. worked for me with my lifestyle and my approach. And so I was like, oh, I'm missing out on this. But now uh, the one thing I, I, I ought to find a way to do, and I, I'm sure it's easy enough, is record it. Like if I mm -hmm. actually recorded that little clip, that'd be fun for me just to have a record of it over the years. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone will listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> you never but, know. Listen, you yeah. just never know these days, yeah. right? I yeah. love that though, that you found something that works for you because um, I do a gratitude experience. I call it an experience, not a challenge every single November. And I know it's a little cl cliche to do a gratitude experience around Thanksgiving here in the United States, but that's neither here nor there. It's a whole month thing that I do. And the whole purpose of it is really to, um, to do different activities every day that are, that are push you out of your gratitude comfort zone to go, okay, this is not about just journaling or just three things or just whatever. Like it's finding different things. And the one of them, I always get a riot of the one day because, um, I ask them to turn on the news. 
and I tell them to turn on the news and find something you're grateful for. Turning on, and a lot of these people, you know, are very spiritual in nature that we don't watch the news because yeah. the news is not good for us, kind of thing. But it's like, listen, I'm I'm asking you to do this because you're not always going to have rainbows and roses and and all of this stuff just perfect all of the time. So you have to sort of work your gratitude muscle and find something to be grateful for, even when it looks like there might not be something to be grateful for, right? Well, and in fact, that's probably the most important thing for entrepreneurs mm. is that if you can't get to that state of gratitude, it's really difficult to build your business because it's up to you, no matter what's going on in the outside circumstances. Right. And you know, as we record this session, Lord knows there's lots of outside circumstances right. going on, right? Every day it's like, could it get worse? Yes, evidently it yeah. can. <laughs> what right? level of Jumanji are we on today? <laughs> exactly. What level are we on now? I didn't know there was such a level like this one, but there is. Um, and, and, yet, and yet, we still have our life. We still have our family. We still have our neighborhood. We still have our circle. And so focusing on gratitude is a pretty strong muscle to build. Love mm -hmm. it. Absolutely. So I, before we jump into the, to the real um, heart of what we're going to talk about today, tell everybody how, how did you, have you always been like in this entrepreneurial mindset? How did you dive into being an entrepreneur? No, I, I, well, not always, but early on, I, uh, I was, I had a, a DJ business when I was in high school and uh, really wasn't like a business business, but we, you know, it, it was a business. We charged for it and we spent lots of money on albums. <laughs> and back in those days, kids, they were called LPs. They're big, huge, you know, CDs. They were this big. <laughs> and we would carry hundreds of them to every one of our events and uh, play requests. And it was a lot of fun, but it really wasn't a business. And then a friend of mine said, uh, introduced me, one introduced me to his uncle. His uncle was a millionaire a millionaire from Esterhazy, Saskatchewan. I lived in the big city of Saskatoon. At least to me, it was big back then. 150,000 people, not really a big city. But in Saskatchewan, where I grew up, it was one of the big cities. And his uncle was from a small town called Esterhazy, and he was a millionaire. Would you like to meet him? Yeah. Do you want to be a millionaire? I think so. <laughs> and it turns out it was an Amway presentation. Mm. I didn't know what Amway was. I was 16. And uh, my buddy really didn't know what it was. It was his uncle. And we went there and we we're like, wow, this looks pretty cool. And so we got involved in Amway when we were 16 wow. and uh, never made a lot of money, but did learn the concept of modeling success. Modeling success. It was the first time I ever read a book that wasn't a school assignment. And it was Think and Grow Rich and then a whole bunch of others after that. And I realized, yeah, you know, if I have a choice, I would like to be a millionaire. That's a better choice than being broke. Mm. <laughs> I, think, I think that'd be a good thing to do. And so I started looking at modeling successful people. And of course, when you study that, most of them have businesses. Mm. And that or they're investing in real estate. Right. That's a business of its own. Right. <laughs> And so I, I started thinking about it consciously, but I didn't go full time into business for another, let's see, 13 years before I went full time in business. I was part time for about five years uh, before I went full time. So, I mean, it's been, now it's been, you know, decades, <laughs> but uh, initially, no, I just started. And then I, the modeling concept is what got me into it modeling concept, modeling success. And amazingly, and I don't know if it's changed today, I don't think it has nothing in our school system taught us to model successful people. Right. Right. I mean, Harvard's famous for it, right? You, if mm -hmm. you get a Harvard MBA, it's all about modeling. 
right? They call it case studies and other fancy terms, but it's modeling. It's studying other successful things and applying it here. So at the, at the graduate level, it's normal. In university, it's sometimes taught, sometimes not, depends on the profession. High school, public school, middle school, forget about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We don't, they don't even bring up the concept of modeling. It's like, why? Oh, why? You know, the, and the conspiracy theorist in me is like, because those that have don't want those that don't understand. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Right. But that's a separate discussion. Yeah. <laughs> well, I completely get that, though, because I mean, I have I've been homeschooling my my children since um, 2013. And uh, and and I, I love that we have the ability to um, allow them to do some of that modeling. Now, my one son, um, my younger of my two sons, he does not, uh, he fights me on doing any kind of like book work, any kind of like, you know, actual, um, like learning the basics of things because he really, he really like, he knows it, but if he has to repeat it, he's like, I'm out. Like, I don't want to do it. Um, but he loves to watch Ted talks. That's become like a huge thing for him. And so I'm like, I kind of like, I care, obviously, if he know, if he doesn't know certain, you know, concepts and things that he's supposed to know, but I kind of don't care because like, I, I'm like, he's learning so much through like taking all of this in. So it's such a, it's a wild thing being a parent. You know? <laughs> well, and, and that's one of the best things about homeschooling is that you've got the ability to have them learn through experiences. We right. homeschooled our son for the first seven years of school mm. and and it was the best thing possible. And, and my initial concern was, you know, the whole socialization right. argument. And it took me about like a, a day into homeschooling to realize he's going to be far more socialized right. than, than non-homeschool people <laughs> who only hang with other people in grade three their entire year. Yes. And don't meet any adults other than their one teacher who's attempting to be a disciplinarian with a bunch of unruly three-year-olds or mm. grade three students, right? And it's like, no, I mean, to, to this day, you know, he's 13 and we just, uh, as we record this, he had just come over for a visit and he had built a computer for my brother-in-law mm. from scratch for him as, as a service <laughs> and we were installing it. And he was explaining each of the things in the new computer to my brother-in-law and the afterwards my brother-in-law lawrence shared an email to me and said please forward on to tyler how impressed he was by how thorough his explanations were about each of the different elements and it was a genuine sincere compliment from a very successful multi-millionaire yeah. entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was like he was so impressed by that it's like well yeah that's the way he is yeah like he's got those social skills to communicate and explain those are far more valuable than you know, what's the capital city of Alabama or yeah. <laughs> what's the Greek uh, or the Roman letter for four, right? Or, you know, yeah, some of these yeah. things that we learned in high school, they were like, I, I don't think we're ever going to use them except playing some trivia game. Right. <laughs> Might My save us a beer. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, I know that um, you've done a lot of different things in business, but um, I just loved that you that you recognize when we had our initial conversation that you recognize that, you know, our the, the folks that watch our show here are tend to be very spiritual, very um, spiritual entrepreneurs or intuitives of some kind or somebody who's trying to figure that all out. Um, and so when I, when I invite an entrepreneur on here, I'm always a little, a little, um, 
cautious because I'm like, listen, I don't want to go down this road of like 10 things that you can do in your business today because my people will be tapped out five minutes ago. And so we we're talking about this. You were talking to me about a concept with sharks and dolphins. Take, take, take us into that and, and tell us a little bit. Yeah, more. this is something for, uh, you know, I call the whole woo-woo world uh, in entrepreneur land, heart-centered entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. There's lots of different terms for them. Impact-driven, heart-centered, lovingly, internally, we call it woo-woo entrepreneurs. But that whole world is driven around impact, not income, right? Impact first. I mean, what impact? What difference can I make? How can I serve? How can I help my people? And I came across a book uh, in the 90s called the, Str the Strategy of a Dolphin. The Strategy of a Dolphin by, I think it's Lynch. And it, you can only get it on Kindle now. But it talks about the model of humanity, you know, these different models. This one talks about three types, dolphins, sharks, and carp. Uh, so the sharks, you'll probably recognize, listeners, <laughs> the sharks are the killer be killed, right? It's all about them and get out of my way because look out here I come. Uh, you know, we used, to, we used to use the reference to the art of the deal by Donald Trump. <laughs> now <laughs> even figure. saying it creates all sorts of triggers. So we don't use that parallel as much, but that style of deal making is kill or be killed, right? If you look at what he recommends and someone wrote the book for him, but what he recommends and what he lives and we've seen as president, it's my way or you lose. Like mm -hmm. there's no middle ground. Right. And, and that's the shark model of life. And so you want to be very careful because that's their job. Their job is to eat you. Their job is to attack. Their job is to take. Um, and so when you get burned all the time, when you look back, chances are they're sharks. Mm -hmm. The second one is carp, right? Carp. Carp are the bottom fish that are always getting eaten by the sharks, mm -hmm. right? You call up your girlfriend. Hi, how you doing? No, no, really? Oh, <laughs> you got eaten by another shark? Didn't you get eaten by one last week? And, and like every time you talk to your carp friends, they're getting eaten by another shark. Right. And some of you listening to this might be taking this kind of personally because yeah. you're like, I keep getting eaten by sharks. I mean, I'm a carp. You could be or you could be a dolphin. We'll get to that in a second. But you want to be aware if it's happening over and over and over and over. I bought this program and I got ripped off. I joined this thing and I got ripped off. I did this and I got ripped off. If that's the model you're probably either being a carp or acting like a carp at the very least. Right. And that's not healthy for you, for mm -hmm. sure, let alone everyone around you. You're not going to get any impact if you're getting eaten all the time. And then the third is dolphins. Dolphins are the team players. It's all about the pod. It's about fun first. Um, it's definitely one plus one is 11. Uh, I've had the pleasure of swimming with the dolphins in the wild amazing experience if you ever get a chance to there's nothing like it they're so they're like big puppies unbelievably friendly and playful and joyful and fast oh my gosh <laughs> fast but here's the thing in the wild it's the only creature the shark fears they don't fear man because they don't know man we're not part of their world they do fear the dolphin because if they go after a weak member of the pod a sick dolphin and the other shark or the other dolphins see it they'll gang up on that shark and beat it senseless until it can't swim. Mm -hmm. And when a shark doesn't swim, it drowns. Right. I love that metaphor. <laughs> now I've added a, a, third, a fourth archetype. I modified it. I call it enlightened sharks. <laughs> Let's see if you recognize this, Jessica, from the online training world. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all about them, but 
they know to get what they want, your money, your adoration, your love, your sex, whatever, they have to help you get what you want. Mm. So they're enlightened sharks. It, it, behind the scenes, I've had the pleasure of sharing the stage with some of the biggest names in our industry. Behind the scenes, it's clear their motivation is just them. Mm. But it's also clear they're motivated to get you and others what they want so they can get what they want. Their core motivation is still them. You want to be crystal clear. An enlightened shark is still a shark, but they're the Tony Robbins of the world. Mm. make massive impact exponentially so and they want you to get impact so that you give them more money more adoration more love whatever the case may be right uh, and so they're they're often the industry leaders out there um and you can promote them but don't partner with them don't partner with them because their job is fundamentally to eat to mm. kill or be killed and so I love this architect archetype model because it allows you to sort of evaluate business partners, investors, key clients. We screen for dolphins and sharks for every one of our high-end clients. We will not let a shark in. If we know they're a shark, if they act like a shark, if they have shark tendencies, we even ask them trick questions to find out if they're shark-like, <laughs> <laughs> which I won't share on the recording in case you ever call me. <laughs> It's true because literally some of the most expensive lessons I've learned when I look back, it's like, well, what do you expect? You partner with a shark. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it cost you millions of dollars, Tom? Their job was to take your money and they did it. They mm -hmm. were very successful. Good job, little sharky. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so how, how do we know though? Like if we're, you know, I think that a lot of heart centered entrepreneurs, um, are, are often un, unsure about the business side of things. And so how do they know looking like who's actually a shark? Because there are a lot of people who put on a really good face and put on a really good show that they, they're, they're, uh, you know, put on that dolphin costume really well. <laughs> and the then enlightened we realize part of enlightened a, sharks. You can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. So on the surface, I got good news and bad news on the surface. You can't tell on the surface. They act exactly the same. And so you need to do a bit of digging. You need to do a bit of digging. So here are some sort of leading edge indicators, if you will, of shark-like behavior. Um, are they in their master classes or webinars? Is it all about perfection, except for the quote, the hero's journey, where they want to build rapport with you, mm. except for that? Is everything else about perfection? Or are they super transparent about their weaknesses, foibles, losses, challenges. That's one way. My experience is dolphins are just as at home sharing about their foibles and weaknesses as their wins. Mm -hmm. Whereas sharks are very much focused on perfect presentation, perfect exposure, perfect situation. That's one. Second, um, if they're selling you something, is the price linked to results or is it linked to their pocketbook? <laughs> mm. And what I mean by that, right? If it's a multi-payment program, is it linked to the calendar or your results? Mm. If it's linked to the calendar, it's got nothing to do with you, everything to do with them. If it's linked to results, it's got everything to do with you and nothing to do with them, except for the fact that now they have to help you to get results. Right. And so that's one of the ways to look at it. You know, we teach all of our clients that do high-end programs, high-impact programs to link, except for that first payment, because you want to have some skin in the game, 
link everything else to results, mm. everything else. Because then we're aligned. We're working together. We're working together. And the beautiful thing about that is, even if you're dealing with an enlightened shark, if their payments are linked to results, they're going to help you get results because they right. want your payment. They may not want you to get impact in the world as their driving force, <laughs> right? But they want you their, your payment. And so if the payments are linked to results, then at least you've aligned them with you, right? You've aligned them with you. When you're negotiating, when you're negotiating with them, is it a win-win negotiation or is it a win-lose negotiation, mm. right? Like when you're in a strategy session, ask a question, challenge them a little bit, see how they respond. Are they listening? Do they care? Do they care about your point of view or are they simply trying to wait to come back with the next response? Mm. Right now I'm being stereotypical. Most guys are like that in communication all the time. <laughs> so that on its own doesn't convict a guy of being a shark, but generally speaking, more guys are sharks than dolphins and more right. women are dolphins than sharks. So that's, you know, are they a guy? That's one of your signs that if they're a guy, chances are higher that they're a shark. Mm. Are there women sharks? Of course. Are there men dolphins? Of course. So it's, you know, you don't want to like completely label someone just because of that, but your spidey senses, your intuition should be higher tuned to that. Mm. And also how do they handle conflict? How do they handle conflict? It's one thing to get triggered and, and, and upset, but how do they handle it afterwards? Right? Dolphins right. will own it. Gosh, I really messed up on that. Sorry, Jessica. Like, you know, like, you know, I'm, and then now you got to be careful. I'm Canadian. Most Canadians <laughs> say sorry just as a natural training. <laughs> I was I'm waiting. Sorry is not enough on its own, right? <laughs> but do they feel sorry? Do they act sorry? That that matters for sure. There's sharks in Canada too. <laughs> Wait, listen, we I talk about that. My husband's Canadian. And so I talk about that with him all the time. I'm like, you can't just say sorry just because you're Canadian. <laughs> You need to actually, right. you gotta, you gotta actually follow up, mean something. Follow here. up and follow through on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and the other part, frankly, is are they focused on fun and mm. impact or are they focused on money and work? Like, generally speaking, you can tell 30 seconds into a conversation. Right. right? I mean, like, I met a guy last night as we record this that I hadn't talked to in about, gosh, 14 years. Mm. And he reached out and he said, you know, we got to reconnect. I've lost touch. I just want to chat. And you know, he's moved to Hawaii. He's living on a nine acre off the grid eco farm. I'm like, what? This is so amazing. <laughs> and so we start talking, as you probably can tell with my backdrop, I'm kind of into Hawaiian dolphins. And, <laughs> and, and so I'm like, where, what part of my Hilo? Oh, tell me about this. Oh, do you got macadamia nuts? You do. Oh my gosh. And we're 45 minutes. 45 minutes in, I had literally 10 minutes left. He hadn't asked me a single question about myself. We were just talking about his life and what he was doing and where he was going. If you're being interviewed or if you're having a conversation with someone, a shark won't let it go that long. Mm. They get down to business, baby. Like, come on. Yeah. Right? They're, they're wired to get what they want. Mm. And so sharks tend to think more short term than dolphins, mm. right? My goal wasn't to sell him a thing. Neither was his goal to sell me a thing. Our goal is to reconnect and touch base after. And in fact, in the middle of it, near the end, he said, I felt so bad because when we last talked, I kind of let you down. I had no clue what he was talking about, Jessica. <laughs> no idea. And I'm like, 
did I sleep with, sleep with your sister or something, Rick? I have no idea. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. Remember, I was going to write some copy. You wanted me to do this and this. You're going to do an event in Bali. And I'm like, nope, tell me more. And then he told me more. I'm like, still no idea, Rick. Brother, sorry. And he goes, well, clearly you're not upset. I said, no, I'm not upset. It's like years ago. And, yeah. you know, he, I guess he turned down a request to do some copywriting for me on a project I was working on. And apparently at that time I was upset about it, but whatever. I certainly didn't lament it because I couldn't even remember the details. Right. I did, when he described the project, it sounded like a project I would have come up with. Go to Bali, <laughs> do business golf, play in the sand, combine it all. Yep, I could see me wanting to promote an event like that. <laughs> and I know we never did one of those events. I would have remembered that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's the other thing too is that you can, you know, if you're, if you're looking at masterminds with dolphins, it's going to be about your impact, your mm -hmm. results, and not theirs, right? Like one of the things I always chuckle is the mastermind is hosted in the city they live. Right. Well, what's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> you live in St. Louis. I love ribs in St. Louis, but that's not exactly an iconic <laughs> gathering place for people to fly from around the world. So why are we coming to St. Louis? Because I live there. Aha. Okay. Right. Cause I live there. That's the only reason that makes sense. And I, you know, for those of you who run your masterminds and invite people to their hometown, I'm not saying it's all bad. <laughs> I'm just simply saying if that's the only factor. Note to self. <laughs> you're not thinking about the other people. Yeah. Right. You're not thinking about the other people. You're like, where, where do you want, where do you want that experience to be? Is it just where you are? And sometimes there's a huge difference in cost and facilities and you, you know, it makes it unaffordable when you go other places. So I get there's other factors, yeah, yeah. but you know, when you ask them about it, what's their answer, mm. right? If their answer is, cause it'll save you a lot of money, Jessica coming to St. Louis. Cause I've got all my team there. And if I go somewhere else, I'm gonna have to charge at least 30% more. Right. I used to do that. And I found that I could get more people. Okay. They thought it through. Then I'll go to St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or at least I will understand why you want me to go. <laughs> <laughs> if it's in December, good luck. <laughs> so, so Tom, we have these different archetypes and if someone is watching and they really feel like I want to make the most impact that I can. And I just like, I feel like a carp, honestly, I feel like I don't know how to, what do I need to be a shark? Do I need to be a, a dolphin? Like, what, what do I need awesome to be? What an awesome question. What an awesome question. First off, um, uh, the reality is you need to be true to yourself. So if you're a shark and you're listening to this, what the heck are you doing on this podcast? First off, <laughs> number one, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> Sorry. Go, yeah. right? You're in the wrong podcast. Right? Go to Gary V's podcast. Like, yeah. get out of here. Tune off. I mean, I'll cuss if you want me to, but it's not, it's not going to yeah. make any difference. Exactly. Exactly. You know, freaking leave us right now. Uh, but but the, the reality is if you want to have impact in the world, hang with dolphins. Hang with dolphins. It is so much easier for a carp to become a dolphin than for a shark. It's so much easier. However, there, I mean, I believe in a concept called strategic philanthropy, doing good and making money at the same time. I teach it to sharks all the time as a strategy to make money. And I remember some of my more heart-centered entrepreneurs going, why are you telling this? Why are you teaching it this way? I go, because them faking it makes the world a better place. Because hmm. the only way you do good and make money at the same time 
is if you do good and make money at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and so the do good is there. And if they're doing it purely for marketing purposes, as long as it's transparent and fixed and a percentage of gross, not net, and all these you know criteria I have so that it's really doing good, not pretend doing good. Right. Bring it on. If you're doing it just to make a buck, bring it on because the world's <laughs> going to be better off for that. Um, mm -hmm. Having said that, carps and dolphins need to hang out more and dolphins hang out in pods, right? Get in a mastermind of other dolphins. Hang with other people. Find someone who's doing something that's that you can model their world and hang with them. And, mm -hmm. you know, the reality is a paid high-end mastermind is the best way to do that. Now that's biased because a third of our business is paid high-end masterminds. So full disclosure, yes, I'm biased, but I also believe masterminds done right are the greatest force for good on earth. Right. Period. So, you know, whether it's my mastermind or anyone else's is not the issue. Find a dolphin that you want to model and hang out in their mastermind. The advantage of high-end paid is you're dealing with dolphins that are really making a difference. They're, right. they're building what we call movements. Right. My title is chief movement maker because that's my job. My job is to find dolphins and help them build global movements in their area. That's my job. That's my calling. That's what I'm here on the earth for now. And now I realize it took me about 45 years of banging my head and okay. making and losing millions before I clued in. Thank you, big guy, for making it so challenging. But, oh, yeah. Right. It was me, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The symbols were there. I just wasn't paying attention. Okay. That's fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. I get it. Uh, don't mind me while I have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay so, that's what we those do those that are listening in audio they're wondering what the heck's going on right it's like go find talking? the video breakthroughshow.com please go, <laughs> yeah, there go you go the love it, love it. <laughs> well, that'd be my advice for sure and the other yeah. thing is if you're in a relationship with a shark get out mm. get out you're not served by doing that and if it's your spouse i'm sorry to tell you this but same answer same answer. If you're married to a shark, you will never have long-term peace and joy. Mm. You just won't. You absolutely won't. And, and I, I, uh, I haven't gone through divorce once. Uh, I don't plan to do it ever again. I don't have another wife at this point. So the odds are still against me because the, I don't know if you know, the divorce rate of second marriages is higher mm. than the divorce rate of first marriages. So, and for entrepreneurs, it's even higher on top of that. So if I do ever get married again, chances are, but no, let's, let's focus on the reality. If you're in, if you're married to a shark, you do not want to stay in that situation. You want to find a way to get out of it because it's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for your kids. Mm. And, and yeah, that, I, I, I love that too, because I can even see in my, in my own life, you know, in my, in my first marriage, um, I was, I was absolutely a carp. It was like, and it was worse than a carp. I was probably... I don't know, a flounder or something. Like, I don't know. Something not even. Carp's right at the bottom. That's good. Yeah, right. That's just, really that's good. How carp. I you are an awesome carp. Yeah. I, at the time, you know, that's looking back, especially looking back now, like that's how I felt. But really, you know, my, my husband now is such a, he, I think he can, he can be uh, an enlightened shark in, in his work at his, at his job and his business, um, because he's, he's in sales and he's been in sales his entire life. And it's kind of an automotive sales, right? Did yeah. You tell me? Yeah. Yeah. And so you kind we'll of talk about stereotypical shark feeding pool. <laughs> that Tom, we need to have you back to have a conversation about that because that's a whole other topic. Why um, do you think Tesla has done so well? Why do you mm -hmm. think Tesla has done so well? Because they've eliminated 
traditional sales channels. Mm. It's not just that they've innovated the car and made it unbelievably orgasmic to drive. That's not the only reason they've succeeded because many of the cars they were selling in the beginning were way more expensive than their competition, way less feature benefit ridden. It was part of what they did and to this day. For those listeners that haven't tried it, go to a Tesla dealership, it's not even the right term for it, mm. and take a test drive and you'll be blown away by the experience, how they treat you as a human. Traditional car dealerships can learn a ton yes. just from seeing what human interaction looks like. <laughs> yeah. That's not about the game of let's see what we can get out of this person's pocket before they leave here, right? right. And, and the, great, the great car salespeople, that was actually my beat early on when I worked for Dale Carnegie, I had two beats, salespeople in cars and real estate salespeople. So mm -hmm. I, I got to see the good, the bad, and the ugly of two very big <laughs> professions. And the great car salespeople are total dolphins. Mm. They will not sell you a car that's not a perfect fit for you. Right. They will bend over backwards to get the best deal, the best terms. And yes, they'll make a ton of money along the way. But making money is not shark behavior. Right. In fact, I would argue it's a moral obligation for dolphins to make money. Mm, I love because that. We give it back. We recirculate it. We make the world a better place with it. You know, I've, I've told you this before. Katie Sharfin from Austin, Texas, her famous quote that I love is, the saddest thing in the world is a broke philanthropist. I believe you can make money and do good at the same time. And mm. in fact, I know that you can do both. I mean, we give away scholarships for our top high ticket program, which I definitely want to mention if we get time, because someone listening in might have some authority and wisdom and they want to make money from that authority and wisdom, making the world a better place. We'll give you a full scholarship to one of our mm. programs. Why would that. we do that? Why would we do that? <laughs> well, we've learned you get in, you're successful. You're going to tell more people about it. And it ends up being good for business. Mm. So we do good and it's good for business. That's a win-win. That's the way it should be. Anyhow, I think. Yeah. I, well, I, I love what you said, though, about it being, I, I started and scribbled on my paper that I take notes on while I'm doing interviews, that it is a moral obligation for dolphins to make money. But if you, if you have that money to, I mean, you can spend it how you want. You yep. can give to organizations that you want. You can make a difference how you want to in the world. So I just, I, that's like, completely fired me up today about because there's so many things that I think of, you know, when I get up in the morning and think I, I really want to make a difference in this area. And I wish I had the, the I wish I could give $21 billion you know, yep. today to do that. And so that being, but we that, can do our version of that. Yes. That's the thing. We can yes. do our version of that. You know, we're going to give away $10 million worth of scholarships this year. That's our goal. We're a little over two and a half million as we record this. So we're looking for people to give away scholarships to on, on purpose. Will we get all the way to 10 million? Maybe, maybe we'll get past it. Maybe we'll fall short. Either way, we're going to impact thousands of people, mm. right? Now we've yes. built it into our model where we can do that. Like we're mm. able to do that. We're fortunate, but it's not just fortunate. It's by design. Doing good and making money at the same time is strategy. It's not, it's not accident or fate or luck. It's a choice. It's a choice. And heart-centered entrepreneurs, you need to know you have to make money or you can't do the good in the world. Mm. Business should not be a hobby. 
Right. Startup should not be seven years, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It should be a temporary phase on the way to somewhere else, right? right? Not, startup's not supposed to be a permanent state of being for people. It's supposed to be a journey along the way. And so uh, you cannot have the impact in the world. My, my number one mentor of all time is Jay Abraham, marketing genius. And he has a saying that says, if you have a product or service that makes a difference in the world, you have a moral obligation to serve as many people as possible. Mm. Yes, you'll get compensated, but that's not why you, what he's talking about. He's talking about serving people, right? So impact should be a healthy thing for you and getting paid for impact needs to become a healthy thing for you. Mm. And once you realize that, your world will change. Your world will I change. You'll start hanging out with people who believe that same thing. You'll start, you know, whether it's on Zoom world, right? Like we're all living in now, or whether it's at live events, once they're legally allowed right? <laughs> or whatever, you'll start hanging with people that are making a difference in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, Tom, I would love for you to, to close us out today by sharing a little bit about what you were talking about, about the programs you offer and the scholarships you have available and how can people jump in? Because I know that I'm, I'm, you know, fired up by a lot of the things that you're sharing today. And I want that for everybody. So share with us. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, and podcasters are also eligible to apply for a scholarship. I think we have about 92% of the podcasts that I've done this year have gone in the scholarship program. So you are more than welcome as well. Um, we, if you have authority or wisdom or knowledge and you want to take it to the world, we have a way to teach you how to do that. We call it the Game Changer Program Academy. It's a four-month deep dive coaching program where we teach you how to create, blueprint, validate, and then sell your high-ticket program that guarantees results for your clients. It guarantees results for your clients. So not only are you making real money first time, but you're able to have real impact for your clients. It's a really cool model. It comes with 12 coaching calls a month and templates and training and accountability partners. And you see courses, them, or courses themselves are a waste of time. 3% at most complete courses. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Is in that category, right? Got <laughs> a course, never did it. Got a course, never did it. You need skills, accountability, and mentorship. We all need skills, accountability, and mentorship. Yeah. Because that's what gets results. And so we build that into the program. It's a $10,000 program. Right now, about 81% of the people applying are getting a scholarship for it. Um, we'll get you the link for your show notes, Jessica. They just go there. Um, uh, our, our nonprofit, uh, is called entrepreneur empowerment Institute and it's through our nonprofit that we give these away and, uh, we're happy to do it. Um, if you have no authority and no desire to build authority, you won't be accepted. Mm. If you have no time and no desire to allocate time, you need at least an hour a day to really make this work, then you won't be accepted. Mm. But other than those two exceptions, and it's your own, like we ask you questions, you answer on your own. Other than that, everyone else gets in. We're mm -hmm. super proud of this. It's making a huge difference in people's lives. And uh, we're going to keep giving away as many of these as we can until they, until they make me stop. And, and since I'm <laughs> owner of the company, I don't think they're going to make me stop. <laughs> <laughs> Just act now before Tom tells Tom not to do it anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> before Tom goes crazy and stops <laughs> giving away things that make a difference in the world. I love it. Well, Tom, thank you so much for sharing all of this incredible information today and for making it really accessible. Like we've talked about to those heart centered entrepreneurs who, you know, a lot of times when we, when we hear 
you know, other coaches and, and business, uh, business coaches speak, we're like, we're tapped out five minutes in. And I just, I love the, the archetypes you explained today. And really, I can see how it ties in so beautifully to the things that I've been working on in my life. And I know by extension, um, our listeners as well. So Tom, thank you so much for being with us and sharing today. You're welcome. And I can't wait to hear about this mini golf crazy guy. My very, 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 very first business was about mini golf. So I can't wait. Uh, I'm glad you partnered me with a crazy mini golfer. I'm <laughs> well, we know that, that we definitely have the, have the masculine energy flowing on the show today, but it's so good. It's so good. And I think um, it, it's beautiful to see, to see, uh, you know, heart centered men stepping up in the world and, and, and sharing their gifts and um, making the world a better place by helping other people to make the world a better place too. You're most welcome, Jessica. Thanks for the invite. All right, guys. Well, we're going to be back in just a minute with more of Carl Barth, but be sure you check out the show notes for all of the stuff we talked about with Tom Matson today, and we'll be back in just a minute. We hope you've been enjoying the breakthrough show. If you're someone who is an inspirational entertainer or has an incredible story of breakthrough, we want to hear from you and maybe even have you on the show. Be sure to visit the links in our show notes to send us an email or connect with us on social media. We hope to see you on a future episode of the show. And now back to the breakthrough. Welcome back to the Breakthrough Show. Tom was just amazing today, but we're back with the first guest from our show today, Carl, Mr. Mini Golf, and he um, he was recently on a show called Holy Moly, season two of Holy Moly. Now, when I went, heard about this show, I was like, a show about mini golf, but I laughed so hard when I went to go watch this because it literally is like mini golf meets wipeout and, and it's hysterical. It is the funniest thing I've seen. So what was it like for you being a part of something like that, Carl? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really one of the, my, probably one of my top three experiences with mini golf. I mean, I, I applied to be on season one, didn't, didn't make the cut, I guess. I mean, it's kind of, I don't understand how you can have a mini golf show without the Mr. Mini golf. I mean, hello, but, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe uh, demographic wise, they already had enough uh, middle-aged white guys or something. <laughs> so, so that might've been, uh, that might've already, they might've already filled the quota there. So what do um, you mean? That's a thing in golf. <laughs> well, the, I mean, that's, that's the typical demographic for the professional group is, Oh, middle-aged white guy so um yeah, definitely fit that so um but no the experience was really cool uh all the whole designs were fantastic uh they definitely amped it up in comparison to season one they wanted more wipeouts for sure um and then the just the challenges of them were so much more exciting and, and difficult and, and so much more fun um and it was really cool because there was just a lot of great people and characters for the show it's not necessarily uh, you have to be the best mini golfer in the world to be on the show um, but you you got to have some skill but it's mostly do you have a good story interesting story um, do you are you a fun person you know are you energetic are you passionate about it so all those kind of things uh, combined together um, make you a perfect candidate to be on a show on that mm -hmm. show and and you know having that experience with Hollywood and behind the scenes apparently that's the the secret sauce to being on any tv show is you know be an interesting person have interesting characteristics about you um get people to be excited to hear you talk and, and see what you do so 
so now it's kind of opened the door to like, well, what else is out there to experience yeah. too? And, you know, I really hope that they continue with Holy Moly and go into season three and um, have a lot more um, mini golf types of stuff on TV too. I think that's maybe the next step. Um, maybe a mini golf movie, mini golf TV shows, <laughs> Um, definitely more tournaments and activities throughout that people can get involved in. Um, I'm just really excited how much um, Holy Moly is making mini golf more mainstream mm. and allowing me to connect with more people and, and just have more fun with people. Mm, I think it, it does that. It reminds people to have fun. And it also, it, it reminds people to not just have fun, but to, that it's okay to get serious about having fun, to make having fun a priority. Because for the person that doesn't necessarily, you know, play mini golf or, or like something that they do all the time, it is a riot to watch these people that are so serious about the game that are like, they're not playing around. The first, the first episode of season two, when I was watching and they had to like jump on the, on the, it was a shark. Was it a shark that was yep, going yep. around? I was just laughing so hard because they were, they were serious. Yes. And they were yeah. ready to go over there and get it. So, <laughs> Well, we were all competing for $250,000. I mean, it's, it's serious business. So, and honestly, the odds of just in general were great because it was one in a hundred people is going to win that money. So, mm. so, you know, it, it's, it's fantastic to see, um, you know, all the different people, all different walks of life, just coming together, playing mini golf and having a good time. Mm, I love that so much. So you mentioned that it does take a little bit, does take a little bit of, of knowing and skill to be able to play, uh, to make your shots in mini golf. So will you show us a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. All right. Awesome. much for showing us some some putting i think i think it encourages people to get out and um you know maybe if they haven't played mini golf in a while now they'll go do that yeah i hope so i mean there's there's always courses around every major city um and it would and that's what's kind of cool too is uh for people to explore and kind of find those hidden gem ones that aren't necessarily advertised so much um just it could be like someone's homemade course that they turned into a business you know become that entrepreneur in that sense but you may, no maybe they're not even online so finding those hidden gem courses is just one of those things that i personally like to do and, and like to discover and share those with the world so mm. i want people to you know share that with with me and, and the rest of the world and I want to go play those courses as well. So the more people get out and share that, the better. Yeah. Have you played at the, there's a mini golf course at Ocean Beach in New London, Connecticut. Have you ever played there? Nope, but I'm going to add that to my list now. You need now. to add it to your list because it was, it thrilled me as a child to like, so the, the, um, the, 
uh, not mascot, but the, the logo for the city is a whale. And so there is a giant whale that you hit through the mouth and it comes out the tail and oh, it comes it. down the, and, and every, I don't, I think for a long time it didn't work, but for a while, um, every so often the water would actually come out of the spout oh, awesome. and it, it just thrilled me as a child when my grandfather used to take me to play, to play it. So I'll have to, have to do a little digging and see, make sure that that whale's still there before I send you over there. Sure, but if, if you know of any pictures, definitely send them my way too. I'd love to see it. I will. I will. Cause it was a lot of fun. I want to, we've talked about a lot of different things today, but I want to um, finish up by giving you some space to share about um, jackpot a little bit more and, and what this charity side of mini golf looks like for you and why you're passionate about it. Sure. So I always thought that, um, it's important to me to be able to give back wherever I can um, just because I've had a very fortunate uh, and blessed life. So um, why not use something that I'm passionate about um, that I'm experienced with uh, to help other people. So uh, that's how I knew right when I started uh, jackpot that <clears throat> I would have to uh, be able to figure out a way to give back to people. So I've done that from the beginning and will continue to do that indefinitely with um with jackpot uh, for my mini golf endeavors. And um, during everything with uh, COVID pandemic and the stay at home order and people in quarantine, um, I came up with this great idea for a campaign that I called uh, putt for pledges. So that was basically a way for people to do mini golf in their homes, get involved with other miniature golfers all over the world and to raise money for um, other nonprofit organizations and charities. So uh, we we just completed our very first one in May, um, on May 9th, which was National Miniature Golf Day, a very fitting day, of course. <laughs> and we did that for the um, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So we raised, uh, as the putters, uh, uh, about $3,000. And then uh, we also had a company match for another 3000 So we raised $6,000 for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society wow. just by playing miniature golf, which is which is awesome. And, and at that time, that was you know, people with uh, cancer, uh, leukemia, lymphoma, um, and all other forms of cancer, those were the people that were mo some of the most at risk people during uh, mm. everything with uh, the uh, COVID-19 and everything there. So those having, being able to provide that money um, in my thought is, is life-changing for those people because it just gives them, you know, a little bit more peace of mind during a time where, um, you know, they could come into contact with someone and it could literally kill them. So, mm. um, so, and, and that's, what's kind of neat with um, jackpot and putt for pledges is getting involved with these organizations that is life-changing for people. Um, and I want people to be able to reach out to me and say, Hey, I'm involved with this organization or, you know, I know of this nonprofit or charity um, that's really, that does a great cause that's important to me can we do something and get involved with that? And, and I want people to reach out and say, yeah, let's do a putt for pledges campaign and raise some money, you know, for this organization and that organization and just have some fun doing it. Like, I think that's a great um, way for people to donate some money uh, just by having fun and having a good time. And also participants get some great prizes. Um, during this first putt for pledges, we had a great prize package for the, the person that raised the most money. Um, they get around at uh, Pebble Beach. Um, they get a lesson with uh, RoboGolf Pro. Uh, they're getting a custom wood putter. Um, 
and they're getting uh, the Mr. Mini Golf uh, Platinum Baller package for my subscription package. So they get all sorts of cool mini golf stuff. And there's just a ton of other things that people um, are, are donating as well, uh, including uh, some awesome night uh, golf stuff from one of my sponsors as a professional athlete. Um, night say So just all cool stuff all around and um, hoping to make it bigger and better and, and get more people involved with mini golf and, and make it more mainstream and, and to be able to, to help other people and, and, and grow the mini golf empire is really the, is what's the next steps here. So that's really awesome that we've talked about being able to honestly, you know, create a, create a, a business around mini golf. But like you said, you really can give back as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, that's kind of the whole thing is like, it fits all these different areas. I get to do something that I'm passionate about, something that I enjoy, make a living off of it, and then help other people as well. So I'm really touching all the areas that is really important to me. Um, and, and having a career and it's just something that makes me happy. I'm, I'm, I've never felt more comfortable with my life and, and just, I it's just, it'll be so interesting to see where it, it goes to next. Yes, for sure. For sure. Well, we're going to make sure that we put all of the links where people can donate and all of that into the show notes. Um, so that so that you guys can give back and so with the with the putting for pledges can do you have to like have a, a a mini golf set up at your house to participate in that you can use all sorts of different objects that you have at your own home to do that you can also go to any courses nearby that are open that if you just want to film taking 10 putts there you can do that you can go to a regular golf course and hit on their putting green um, you can do it in your backyard you can do it inside your home just get creative, have fun with it, and just have uh, a good time and knowing that you're doing something also that helps a lot of people. That's awesome. It's so, I, I love that. I love that we can do something fun and exciting that we love and be able to give back. Um, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the world, Carl, and, and doing it in a way that, that you love. And that's fun for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on your show today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a blast. Thank you so much to my special guest today, Mr. Mini Golf. Mr. Mini Golf, like it needs to be a tongue twister at this point. Mr. Mini Golf, Carl Barth, and I'm going to call him Mr. Sharks and Dolphins, Mr. Tom Matson. Um, thank you guys so much for bringing the inspiring entrepreneurial heat today. Uh, up next week on the Breakthrough Show, we've got even more inspiring stories of breakthrough for you guys with incredible guests that will have you looking at your life a little differently. And then I can't believe it. So we're going to be in the final month, the home stretch of season four of the Breakthrough Show, which is as always at the end of every season, so bittersweet, but we're going to have a lot of fun in this last month. So make sure you guys keep tuning in every Friday at 12 p.m. Central Time. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Please take a moment to rate, subscribe, comment, and share where available. And until next week, remember that every moment is a great moment for a breakthrough. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Breakthrough. Please visit our website at www.thebreakthroughshow.com. And be sure to join our After the Breakthrough community powered by Patreon. We look forward to seeing you next week. Same time, same place for another inspiring episode.